Welcome back to the Wild Wild West Tennis Podcast. Today we have Brad Kilbert, a former top five player, coach, uh, commentator for ESPN since, I believe, 2006. Is that right, Brad? 2003. Wow. I've never been good at math. Okay. So he, he's, he's also, he's on his game. So Brad, let's get right to it, man. I mean, you, you were there, well, you weren't there today. You've been there in the past. What did you think of that last match just ended between Fritz and Root? It's a heck of a match. Um, you know, it's hard to gauge, you, you know, the atmosphere and the court itself, you know, when you're not there. You know, I was in London a lot. Now it's the second year we're in Italy. Um, but we've had, you know, some close matches. Um, I hear the court is quicker. But, you know, it's funny is the guys, the way they play now, they can make quicker courts. You, you know, more normal. They, you can have rallies. Um, impressive effort. Um, a couple of rule changes I'm definitely, if I could put in the suggestion box. The, the first one is, especially at the year-end championships, and I, I would be up for it for an every third set breaker. I'd like to see 10-point breakers now, you know. But what a comeback. Uh, Fritz makes from 5-1 down. That's the kind of comeback that you might have saw in a 10-point breaker, gets back to 6-all in that third set breaker, a little bit of a miss hit, a miss forehand, and the next thing you know that, I mean, good effort from Rude. And what a diving volley that Fritz had to save a break point. That's sometimes a kite of a shot that you can lose a match on. I thought he might get broken right. the next game yeah. after that dive. And is, Brad, is that why you'd like to see it go to a ten point? Because it can the you know the wheels can come off quick, and like you said, you can be down five one. It's like oh gosh. Let's say it's you, you know listen, it's it's a tense three hour match, and sure. you, you get down three zero or four one. You know, you know too many breaks. Almost always, you will lose that you know breaker. But in a ten point breaker, th there there's a chance for you know a couple of different comebacks and there's, you know, it's like a mini set in itself, but the more that, I, that now we have the 10 point breakers in the fifth set and we have it in doubles at one set all, I kind of like to see it, you know, in third set matches. And what you're basing that off is, is now at the majors, they've, they've used it and you've liked, you've liked how that's worked out. Is that yes, where you're taking it? You know, no, let me ask Australia was the first to do it. And obviously, right. we do it in shortened matches in in doubles in ATP. Um, but yeah. I, I just like the way it plays out. Well, let me ask you this, Brad. As a compromise to those who might uh, not be on board, would you be willing to say sudden death to 10? No, or do you want to? I got, no, you want to. I kind of like a 10-point breaker. Okay. The way it is, you, you know, I get it. Mm. Well, that sort of thing, um, if they've done it and it's worked out in the majors, there's a chance, maybe at, at yeah, Masters. No, that's why I, you know, I put it out there on Twitter a couple of days ago. Obviously, uh -huh. there's some other things, you know, I'd like to see on rule changes. But that, <laughs> that, that's just a suggestion that I'm putting out there. Yeah, I, and I think you're basing that off of what you've seen, how it's worked in the majors, and you've liked it. And um, it doesn't really add that much more time. Let's be honest. What, maybe an extra 10 minutes at most? Yeah. It, it, and another thing I'd really like to see, 
you, you know, for this year-end championships, since we're talking about it, I still, like, I'm old-school dinosaur. I think the final should be best of five. There's no more best of five in any ATP matches. It's only in slams, but I would like to see that. And I don't understand why every couple of years, I understand why we should move around year to year, but I'd like to see every couple of years, let's say three years, I'd like to see, okay, if we're going to be in Turin for three years or four years, I'd like to see one of those years, clay. You know, we used to play Davis Cup finals on indoor clay. You can build it. So we play a third of the season on clay. I'd like to, you know, we can't play grass indoors, you know, but we could certainly play clay indoors. So I would like to see every once in a while they play clay indoors. Well, what, here's what I'd like to suggest, Brad, to feed off your idea. Uh, you know, you were there in 04 for sure and 03. I'm, yeah, for the at Houston. Why not every couple of years have it be at an outdoor venue like well, it was in Houston? The, the problem is when you only have it somewhere a short period of time, maybe the event can't build to, to what it needs to be. And then when, you know, when it goes one place for a year, like was in Lisbon or it was in Sydney, you know, what, it, it seems to maybe do better when it's in a long run. So let's take Turin after London. Same like at London. I thought every three years they could have played on clay. Well, that's interesting. So you're not, you know, my idea being, okay, uh, you could have it on clay. And, and again, like a city like Houston, it could be outdoors. It's been done before. I think Houston was probably the only time it was year-end was an outdoor event, unless you can correct me on that. Uh, I think way back in the day they had it on grass. It might have been an Australia oh, sure. on grass. Wow. Well, anything's possible, and it's such a uh, popular and successful event. It can't fail. You no, know, I just I would just just like to see you know okay one year the surface is a slow indoor, one year it's a fast mm -hmm. indoor, one year it's a clay, and then we move it, and, and it's the same. It should be the same. Okay, if we move to from London to Italy, wherever we go indoors, every every three years or so, there should be one year should be on clay. Interesting. Uh, well, there's enough guys in this uh, field, you know, uh, Rude, Nadal uh, would certainly agree with that. And you're going to get at least half the guys that will say, sure, Novak would be fine with any surface. But back to this event, Brad. The guys are good on everything. And yeah. whether or not it's fast or slow, it just makes it a little more interesting. You know, it has sure. to do, you, you know, that's not just a Rafa rule. It's just kind of a tennis rule. No, I get it. Um, so back to the event. Um, you know, we, we, you touched on the end of the match with, uh, you know, Felix and, uh, sorry, with Casper uh, and Fritz. Uh, talk about Taylor's first match and what you think of his uh, effort so far. I mean, he's done well, even in a lot. He's, he's really improved his game a lot. Um, his movement has gotten better. And I think um, the big thing is his backhand, you know, has always been a good shot. Um, but I, I think that his backhand now, he, he, he literally, you know, can be safe. He can pull the trigger. Um, and his forehand is big. I mean, he's improved a lot. I mean, he's ranked where he's at for a reason. I mean, he's played his <laughs> way into the mix. Um, and I'm really impressed with, with what I'm seeing. And he, he, he's playing with a sense of belief and kind of a sense of calmness. Not He's not playing with a sense of, Oh, I'm just satisfied to be here. 
Boy, it's, it's been a sweet uh, rise for him. And, you know, I think, is he what, now in his mid-20s? Is he 26? He's 25. Seems like he's been around longer, and that's good you know, for he, him. He, he turned pro when he was 17, so he has, you know, yeah. you know, he's been playing eight years, and, you know, he's playing the best tennis that he's ever played now. Right, and the best is yet to come. Let's just hope that dude, if he doesn't have any major injuries, uh, do you – you know, I think I asked you once before, maybe at just when we were talking one time, is this guy ready to um, capture a major next year? Or is that maybe a, in two years? I mean, how close is he to do that breakthrough? Well, I mean, listen, I mean, he, he loses a fifth set breaker, you know, to Rafa. He wins that. Sure. You know, he had never got, you know, past, uh, he never got, got past, you know, the third round until last year. And then, you right. know, he makes that leap, you know, to, to, you know, finally in Australia, making his first fourth round, you know, and then, mm. then he takes another step to the quarter, you know. Mm. So it's about, you know, taking these little steps. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, and listen, it, 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 you know, there's no foolproof. Do you have to take the step a quarter to a semi to a final? You, you, you never know if you just take the step. Like yeah. Alcaraz, but sure, uh, I, I think he's getting a lot better, and I think he's giving himself much better opportunities on grass and hard courts. So, I, but I do think that you know the next progression probably next year is make a semi. Sure, but, you, know, sure. You, you never know if, if, if maybe then he'll, he'll make a final. But I think he's definitely in the mix. And I don't think this is a one-off year. I would not be surprised to see him back in Turin in 2023. And it sounds to me like you like his attitude. Yeah, I think most importantly, he's just getting, you know, he's improving. He's improving, yeah. his, you know, he's got a big serve and he's got a big forehand. But I feel like his game, you, you know, he's more accurate with those shots now. Uh-huh. And then, uh, well, I think next up would be Felix. So before we talk about that matchup, just uh, obviously Felix has caught fire the last uh, month or so. Uh, let's let's have you weigh in on Felix as you see him now. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing from that I see from Felix is his serve. Uh, I mean, he's getting so many free points. And a couple of years ago, I felt like, the biggest issue with his serve was his ball toss would be all over the place. And he was reaching for it a lot, catching tosses a lot, far to the right. Now, you know, he's using his size at 6'4". He's got a heavy knee bend on the serve. And, and mm -hmm. he's getting mm -hmm. so many free points. And he's improved his forehand from the center of the court. So I think that he's, you know, his serve has gotten way better and his serve plus one. And... Same thing. He's been around a long time. He turned pro when he was like 15. You know, he's playing challengers and 14. He's like a real, you know, you know, he's he's like a seasoned veteran at 22. So his game is starting to kind of peak as well. Yeah, that's interesting. And, um, you know, looking ahead then to that to that matchup, because um, I think that's the that's the next, you know, they'll have a day off and then they'll play. That'll finish their round robin. Right. He'll he'll meet up with Taylor. I mean, it's a very open match, you, you, you know, uh, both, you know, playing really well. Um, I mean, 
just off of the last month, you, you know, obviously yeah. FA has done a little bit, you know, he's done better. He's played, you know, sure. believably well. But this is one of those matches, you know, win and move on, lose and your season's over. So, right. you, you know, it's kind of, it's like one of those cool matches, you know. Um, yeah. it, it's a big match for both and big opportunity for both. So I, I'd say it's a, you know, it's an even match. So essentially, uh, after today, Rude is locked in, right? He's he's, lo he's locked in, and whoever wins between those two yeah. guys yeah. gets the semis. And that's where the round robin, that's where it's at its best for me, where it's not confusing. We don't have to worry about yeah. counting games. It's two dudes squaring off. Like you said, it's either adios or move on. So Once in a while, you could have three guys two and one, you know, and then it goes yeah. by sets and headed – Games, yeah. I mean, yeah, but I, I love the round robin format. Yeah, I loved it too until we had it in Las Vegas and then it hit the fan, but we don't have to go back in time. Um, well, then, Brad, um, I guess since we, we have been talking about this year end championship with the, the guys, can we just briefly talk? I don't want to go into every guy in the other group, but can we talk about just Novak and what do you think he's going to, how do you see this tournament ending for him? Will he be holding hardware, or even have that opportunity in your mind? I, I mean, he's playing really well, considering that obviously his schedule was so interrupted mm. after, after winning Wimbledon. He doesn't get to play till after the Open. Um, mm -hmm. And basically, he's only lost, you know, okay, he lost the FAA and Labor Cup, but in ATP matches, he's only lost one in the finals of Paris to Rune. I mean, and wow. I thought it was an unbelievably high-level match for Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas got broken in the first game of the match, ne never again. It's nine straight times he's lost to Novak, and I felt like Novak, you know, I felt like Tsitsipas played really well. But, you know, Novak is like a tax collector in Europe. He's going to get it. Doesn't matter if it's slow court. If it's a fast yeah. court, you play any kind of conditions, he's going to be fine. Um, yeah. And his movement for 35 is still exquisite. You know, I mean, I do yeah. think and the one thing I think maybe during some of his breaks this year, and especially now yeah. being the full-time coach, I think he's put a lot more emphasis working on his serve. I think he's serving bigger and getting more free points on his serve. And I think that could be really beneficial for his game moving forward in 23 and 24, you know, serving bigger. And you always like to say uh, how guys, regardless of where they're at in their uh, age or career, getting better. That's always been a theme of yours. And, boy, if, if he can get um, get better on the serve, uh, that just helps every part of your game. It, it, it's a no-brainer. And the other thing with his limited schedule, Brad, that he's putting less miles on the odometer this year with great results. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. Obviously – you know, he, you know, be, you know, he still looks like he's going to be cleared to play Australia. Don't know about what the restrictions will be for coming into the States. If, wow. if those aren't ease, then, then, you know, he can't play, you know, Indian Wells, Miami, Canada, Cincy, U.S. Open. That's a big, you know, those are hard areas of the schedule to have to navigate around. But if you keep working on your game and keep working on things and, and his movement and his, flexibility. I mean, it's remarkable that what he's been able to do and kind of piecemeal his schedule, but I, his level that he's playing at, he's playing top two tenths. There's no doubt about it. 
Uh, it's beautiful. And look, I yeah, like you said, it's somewhat ad hoc and, and piecemeal, but um I uh I, I tip my hat to the guy to deal with all the uh what he's dealt with to be resilient and be resurgent as well. It's he's got a good attitude. He doesn't, you know, he just he kind of has your attitude. He, he doesn't worry about the past. Yeah, you know? you know what? And the best thing to do as a tennis player is to, to worry about, you know, what you're doing right now and what's upcoming because it's almost like you're a businessman. You got to kind of plan your schedule, you know, out, you know, eight quarters yeah. out, you know, what you're doing to keep. And and the, the biggest change now for even guys like Rafa, Joker, Fed, everybody that's turned 30 and well past in their mid 30s, it's thinking like you're in your 20s that I can still work on parts of my game. That used to be such a foregone conclusion. You turned 30. It was just you're trying to stave off the end. Now it's not stave off the end. It's keep working on your game to get better in parts of your game. That's kind of like the essence of challenging yourself to keep working on your game. Then these results keep happening. But wouldn't you say, Brad, that then – Andre Agassi was the first guy to embrace that. I mean, you would know better than anyone. And right. I think that Andre, without a doubt, getting to the finals of the 2005 U.S. Open at 35, all these guys mm -hmm. see that. So I think that Andre was the impetus for all these guys that, like, you know what? Things are possible now at 35 that we didn't think are possible if you plan for it. So Andre was – Definitely. And I think it had a massive influence on Federer, who played him in that 2005 Open. It's like, man, if this guy could kind of do what he did at 35, if I really take care of myself, kind of plan things out, like not like three months. Think about it in three and five years. I can be there. And he and sure as heck was. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's that's kind of sweet. And, you know, um, you know, talking about, you know, coaching, uh, I, I know you've talked a lot about working with Andre, obviously. Um, since our, we're focusing on American players, uh, when I first met you was at Queens in 03. Uh, just a brief sort of uh, reflection of, you know, what, what it was like to, you'd been working with Andre, as you said, got played into his 30s. To work with a young person, a young American, uh, how did you have to adjust your coaching style, you know, in general? Well, I mean, every p person that you coach, you, you I, I call it's a, it's an empty canvas. It's a blank canvas, and you're working with their strengths and individualities. the The worst thing that you can do as a coach is say, "I want you to play like him. I want you to do <laughs> like this, and I want you to have this." So, it, once you start working with a new player, you're looking through their lenses and trying to help them fulfill their dreams and, and become a better player. That's the key as a coach, is helping your player become a better player. And some coaches have a style. They want you, like some of these football coaches, they, they only coach one way, you know? And right. if you don't, yeah. it's my way or the highway. Yeah. I'm not like that, you know? Yeah. I have a yeah. style. Um, yeah. I, my style is who the person I'm coaching with and try to help them become a better player. That's, yeah. that's the key to being a coach. And remember, it's not that you look through your eyes because I would do this or do that, or maybe the last player might do it differently. You're looking through who the player that you're coaching is, 
what their strengths are and what they need to do. And so that's kind of how you look at it. And then when you start as a coach with somebody, it's day one. Whatever happened before doesn't matter. It's where we're started now and where we're headed. Yeah, I mean, you you did outline that in your second book, I've Got Your Back, uh, I think came out in 04. You did chronicle that that period with uh, working with someone like Roddick. So if anybody listening to this, you know, for more in depth on his experience with Roddick, you could pick up that book, I've Got Your Back. It's a great read. Different than Winning Ugly. It's just a, a shorter book, but a great, a great read for a tennis fan. It, um, kind of, I still feel that way. And anybody that I work with, you know, I work with kids or I work with adults or whoever I work with, it's always kind of figuring out what you can do to help them become a better player. That's the whole goal. You know, be honest. But I, it's not like, okay, you have to do this, this, and that, you know, because this is my style. I think that's bullshit. The style is yeah. the player that you're coaching and to help them become a better player. Yeah, and that's probably a good philosophy in any relationship in life uh, because you still remain yourself. Um, just because you, uh, you're you a good listener and you're a good observer, but you're still Brad Gilbert, uh, regardless and, of the and Thank you, buddy. And, and speaking of coaching, I'm happy that the coaching trial, that hopefully it will become – you, you know, I haven't heard if we're going to continue it in 2023, but, you know, I, I was happy that finally after like 20, I think the trial, the last one was in 99 and it went away. And so it's great that, you know, listen, it, it's out there and hopefully it will continue because I, I like it. I know some people don't like it. I like mm -hmm. it. Well, um, you know, I haven't watched enough tennis on TV lately. Um, this is also being captured um, on, uh, I mean, they're showing it, right? The, the network? Well, no, the network is doing a show. Oh, oh really? They're following okay. the players, but like in, in the U.S. swing, like this summer, mm -hmm. you know, you were allowed, to, like when the player's on your side, you're allowed to talk to him. So like, okay. you can't have like these full bone conversations, but you, it's now legal you know, and wow. you can make little motions and you can do little things. Oh. Yeah, like Patrick Martagalou in, in the final with Serena. Yeah, what he exactly. got. That's allowed because it was going on anyways. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so it's kind of like, you know, way, yeah. it's a good way to stop the, the cheating and the third. But yeah. now, it, you know, it's open. And so hopefully they'll continue that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's allowed at all events on both tours or is it just an ATP? It, it, it just started yeah, on both tours on the North wow. American swing. And then okay. it, it okay. kind of, you know, it continued, but I haven't heard if we are doing it for 2023. I hope so. Let me ask you this on that note. So the player designates a person. It could be their dad. It could be their official coach. If they don't have a coach, it could be their buddy. That whoever they designate, right? It's just one yeah. dude. It's and, allowed and, to and, do. and then the whole box can can make motion, I believe. Oh, okay. So, all right, that, that that's great. I need to I need to watch more live tennis to catch that. And as you said, it's not uh, cement cemented yet for twenty twenty three, but they haven't said no, which is cool. Um, so, Brad, speaking of TV, you know, you guys are going to show that. Um, talk a bit about your uh, you know commentating. I saw a podcast with your. One of your best friends, Chris Fowler, did a podcast recently. It was really great. 
And he was able to explain what it was like, because that's right, he started in 03 with you. Um, can you talk a bit about your experience from 03? I mean, it's a lot of time to cover, but you know, what, what do you love about that? You know, I just love being involved in the game, you know, from playing to coaching to TV. Uh, I mean, sometimes you sit down, you never know if you're going to see some unbelievably memorable match um, or things happen. Um, I, I, and I enjoy sitting courtside. I enjoy yeah. being in the booth. Yeah. I enjoy being in the studio. And yeah. I'd like to, you know, think that, like, I'm the beer drinking guy. I'm, I'm having fun, you know, and yeah. I'm not taking it for granted. Um, yeah. And I'm not phoning it in. I love it. I love every yeah. time that I go to the, the courts, you, you get a chance to see something. Um, and it, ESPN has been, you know, it's been a great 20 years. They're great. They've got a great team. We've got great production. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's an honor to be part of the team for the last 20 years. That's what Fowler indicated. I mean, he talked a lot about you and, and Darren and Patrick and that you guys, you know, you know, you do uh, knock down a few brew dogs um, afterwards because you guys like enjoy each other. It, it's not just working together; you're friends, and I think that helps the broadcast. You know, um, it, yeah, yeah, there's shooting. no doubt. If you, you, if the fans know if there's contention, and, and yeah, the, yeah. The, the fans know if there's camaraderie, and you know, we got a great match, and you, you know, like I said, I do three different things. I do studio, which is yeah. Can, can, you know, it's different than courtside and then in the booth. So yeah. they're, they're all great platforms. Um, mm -hmm. And listen, we get to do three great tournaments. We do Australia, we yeah. do U.S. Open and Wimbledon. And, yeah. you know, listen, it's yeah. just a treat to be at these tournaments. And it looks like next year from what Fowler, well, he, I don't know if he said for sure, but it looked like it, you guys might be going back to Australia. It might not be from Bristol. Fingers crossed. Yeah, okay, still still up in the air, but yeah, I know he 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 was really stoked about that. And um I, I remember when you uh sometimes you'd be in the studio, you wouldn't leave the studio. I mean, when you're working, um, you're working, you never sort of leave the ESPN compound. It, it's really cool, your commitment. <laughs> no, I like, I mean like I like when I get there in the morning and then when I leave when the day's okay, then, then, okay, I could shut down. But like when I'm there, I'm like, uh, you know, because listen, I could be on or do a rip in the studio, go to the mat. I, so yeah, I, I'm focused on, on the tournament, all aspects of it. Um, so you, you, you know, like that first week, you know, or first eight, nine days, you, you know, you put in a hundred hours or something, you know, or long day, yeah. but, but yeah, listen, I love it. There's nothing. Yeah, and I, I love being there, being a part of it. Love seeing yeah. Like something unfold, like what we saw at the Open this year. These unbelievable yeah. finishes, five-hour yeah. matches, five-set yeah. fillers. I mean, the the perseverance uh, of seeing what Alcaraz did from the round of sixteen, the the, yeah. the quarters and semis, five sets, five sets, five sets, coming from a breakdown in the fifth against Chilich. You know, yeah. you know, saving a match point. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, against um, sinner. Uh, uh, a sinner. And then, you know, uh, you know, five sets digging deep against Tiafo when you thought, no, yeah. you know, just, yeah. just it, it was just memorable to see something like that.
I mean, you know, it's easy to say because it's still fresh in your mind. But Brad, boy, in the last, uh, I like how you said 20 years, uh, you know, your anniversary with the, the, you know, the worldwide leader in sports. It's probably the best one, at least in a decade, wouldn't you say? It was last open. It's incredible. I mean, like, and the greatness, I think, of baseball, you know, like for the announcers and the enthusiasts, they always preach. You might see something that you've never seen before. That's, yeah. that's their calling card. You may be going to see some. I feel that's the same in tennis. I mean, look what we saw in, you know, the Open. Look what we saw in the Aussie Open final this year. Oh, uh, <laughs> right. You know, so I just feel yeah. like there's, you know, there's some things that you you, you can see, like, you know, that, that just don't happen in a, you know, zillion years, you know, two sets of none comebacks in a, mm. in a, in a slam final. Yeah. Well, it's like Yogi Berra sticking to your baseball analogy. And what do you say? It ain't over till it's over, was yeah. what Yogi Berra said. Or and you say, that's what you say sometimes too. It's getting late early. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll cop to this. I thought to, Speak to what you mentioned that Australian Open final when he was down uh, two sets and uh, I guess a break and, and maybe a, almost a double break. Right? Didn't he have a no, point? He was down. Me? He was down two three love forty. Yeah, I, so I he, clocked out. He was, he was like seven minutes from that match being over. Yeah, I because uh, I couldn't get it. I live in Mexico. I had to do it on live scoring, and I'm like, oh, it's done. But he'll be. And I talked to myself. I'm a Rafa fan. I'm like, but this is good. He'll he'll be prepared for the French. And I clocked out right then, dude. And that, oh, big, big, uh, that would be a yellow card, right, in your system? Yeah. No, no, but it's, it's, <laughs> we, had, we had so many amazing matches this year. Um, yeah. And it just kind of, you, you know, it always gives you that great hope, you know, as a tennis fan, as a tennis enthusiast, that, you know, that, you know, like, it's like then you get excited already two months away from Australia. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, Brad, I'm going to let you go. So I'll give you, I'll throw one more question out there. And um, man, boy, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I guess people might say this every year, but I don't know if the game has been more exciting on both tours than it is now. And I bet people say that every year. Um, well, I, but you I, know what I mean? The, the one thing that I think that is really amazing is that. Sometimes, you know, obviously we play on a lot of slower courts. Um, but doesn't matter what court we're playing on. If it's a slow court or it's a faster court, is seeing the guys and girls, the movement and the ability to, to extend rallies. Um, mm, I think for yeah. me, makes for great viewing. And mm. just seeing like, because I hear the guys saying how fast the court is in, mm. in, in and yet they're extending mm. the rallies. So, yeah. so. Yeah. It's incredible, the movement, the athleticism, and obviously the strings are allowing the guys to take these bigger swings. But the the extended rallies, I think, are great because, you know, listen, I played in the 80s and early 90s. When when you had some of the big bombers playing on these fast courts, you never had any rallies. Well, on the fast courts, you're right. Yeah, for sure. So seeing these extended rallies and hearing that these courts are fast is is so exciting that, that the game is just, continuing to grow and produce, you know, talented players. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, the equipment get, 
it has gotten better, the technology, but the athletes have gotten better, which is true of all sports, right? I mean, totally, it, it, it goes hand in hand. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting, uh, you know, 2023. Um, the last thing I, I, I said was going to be the last question. We haven't touched on any of the women. Could you just briefly uh, – I'm, I'm curious about two players specifically from the U.S., Pagula and, and Goff. Uh, I've been really impressed by Pagula's year because he had that great U.S. Open run. And Coco's a young kid that's amazing. Just maybe a quick assessment of, of those two, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, well, amazing. Pagula finished the year three in the world, and Goff yeah. came into uh, Fort Worth four in the world. I think she dropped to six. Crazy. I mean, they were a yeah. combined. I mean, they had this great year, both of them, but then they both had a rough you know, they both yeah. went 03 in singles and they went 03 in doubles. So they each went 06 in the first time. First time in the history of tennis, somebody lost six times in one week and they both lost six times. So, yeah, man, that. But that's that, that's coming on the heels of Pagula winning Guadalajara. Yeah, and, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> she was just coming off of a win and then to yeah. lose six times in a tournament. So it just. It shows you, you know, how, how tennis can be from week to week. It's amazing year where she's come from. About four or five years ago, she wasn't even in the top 100, you know. Yeah. Now she's yeah. you know, three in the world. So, you know, she's yet to make a really deep run in a slam. She's got to a couple of quarters. So that's definitely, you know, the progression for her next year, making a little deeper run, semis, finals, who knows, winning. And God, right. same thing. You know, she got to a finals of the French. Um, yeah, but I think she's getting better. I still think that her forehand can get better. Um, yep. I think her forehand can get better, but albeit she's still improving and she's in the top five in the world. Uh, so a lot to, yeah. you know, look forward to for both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that for the moment, Sviantek has put a little distance between herself. Now it's up to the players. Yeah. Can they catch up to her? Yeah. Oh, boy, you're right about that. That's Well, again, Brad, that's a whole other podcast. I appreciate you uh, checking in because I know you've been glued to the TV all day. That wall is still waiting, but they I'm probably gonna, don't have I'm going to go do right now. I'm going to go hit about 20 minutes on the right. curve wall at Pepperdine. I'll just work right. a little grooving, a little violin, yeah. And, yeah. And, then I'll put, and then I'll come back and knock down a couple of beers, and it'll be a good night. I think it'll be a great night, and you're probably one of those per people that's smart enough to do it either early in the morning or late in the afternoon because the sun's less of a problem. Yeah, so I go like six in the morning, you know, on yeah. the sunrise, and then you know now we're getting dark about five, so yeah, I'll go over so we, about yeah. four, you know, and it'll be shady. So yeah, I I go either really early or really late. Well, I think we're right in that that honey hole, so get get down to that and. Uh, Enjoy the brew dogs tonight. Are you? Um, I think last time I talked to you, there was this elephant uh, brand you were you were. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the Belgian one. Yeah, I like that. I, yeah. I got a. I, I, you know, I'm a little stuck on the Carlsberg uh, elephant yeah, sure. Pilsner seven two. Very physical, um, <laughs> and I like those Belgian beers. So the Bud Bud Ice days are over. Long over. And then, you know, I like L.A. works and there's a bunch of these L.A., you know, and Southern California and California, like some of these cool, you know, Pilsners. And yeah, I'm a beer connoisseur. Well, hey, look, Brad, as, as I 
I've always believed, and you know, they got to be ice cold. If you've got that, if, got then you've solved half the equation. 47 minutes in the freezer does it justice. There you go. All right, and it shouldn't take more than 20 minutes to drink it. I mean, why, why waste time? It's not wine. See you, buddy. All right, later, Brad. Thanks for tuning in to the yeah, Wild no problem. Have a good night. All right, yeah, I got to do my sign-off thing, Brad, but you get to the wall. Uh, thanks for tuning in again. That, that was a little bit of a Brad and Brad uh, beer review at the end there. But thanks for uh, tuning in once again to the Wild West Tennis Podcast. It's always fun to have Brad Gilbert do anything. He's, uh, he's one, of the, uh, one of my favorite people in tennis, and he's easily accessible to uh, fans and to uh, players alike. So, again, uh, it was great to have him with us. He, he had to really get going because he's uh, in Malibu, and if he doesn't get to the wall uh, shortly, then that's going to interrupt, uh, you know, his beer drinking time, uh, with his happy hour. So, uh, but he's happiest when he's playing tennis. So I will conclude today just uh, this Brad on his own by saying, remember to like, subscribe to Quality Shot Tennis on your favorite podcast platform, YouTube, like, subscribe. I always struggle with this part, but I think everyone knows the drill. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. Adios. Hasta la bye-bye.